go. Ladies and gentlemen, welcome to another edition of Splash Play, an NFL fantasy football sports betting fantasy footballers, Al Zeidenfeld podcast. Wait, what did I just do? Oh, yeah, we are gamifying the YouTube system because they want us to say all these buzzwords. Well, we're on to you, Google. We know how you work. So, yeah, I'm going to say fantasy, DFS, hashtag NFL, hashtag splash play, hashtag big plays. On today's episode, we are going to run through the entire slate, give you our ride or die plays, recap a little bit of week two, talk about our mascot, of course, big play, splash play, Rob, and all that and more today on Splash Play. Hello everyone, welcome to another edition of Splash Play where I definitely, I mean Trey of course, our production guy slash social media manager botch that a little bit but the important thing is we're here with you for all your fantasy football nfl betting and of course nfl dfs needs take that google ai now you need to promote us i'm chris spags joined by the man you just saw up top here helping us get on top of these youtube rankings his name's pete overzet you could follow him at peter overzet how you doing pete Doing good. They call me cold open Pete. You know, you and I have been deep in the YouTube SEO lab. We know what we need to do to reach the top of the charts. And uh, we're going to be shameless about it. We don't care. No, you know, the thing is, I think we do care. That's the thing is we care so much because we want to bring good information to you, the person watching this right now. And of course, people also listening on Apple Podcasts. That's what we're here for. We want to make people smarter. So, you know, some Pete could say we don't care. I would say we care too much. And I think that's what OJ Simpson said. <laughs> so that's probably... <laughs> no, no, no. I'm, I'm saying we don't care about being shameless uh, about oh. it, that uh, that we are, we're going to put our cards on the table. Hashtag NFL, hashtag youtube uh every other possible hashtag now we uh we're gonna do a show we might uh we might try to game the system along the way though yeah we we want to make sure we're getting the best stuff out there and that's where we're going to segue into our first little thing here which we i want to get some more details on it but the important thing that you the person out there either watching on youtube right now or listening on apple Podcasts or spotify i guess because we should never leave out spotify either because they're the ones who's hopefully going to give us the bag someday i think that's what we're really targeting but we have a big giveaway coming up on sunday and the important thing that you need to know right now is for this giveaway the biggest giveaway we have ever had in the one week history of the splash play podcast slash YouTube channel slash Apple podcast page slash Twitter handles, whatever splash play documentation is out there. Uh, that is the first giveaway and the biggest, and it's coming up on Sunday, but what you can do right now to get on board, subscribe or go on Apple podcasts and give us five stars and a review. And again, subscribe on YouTube. Either of those things will get you an entry into the biggest giveaway ever. And Pete, I mean, really, am I underselling how big this giveaway is? Because I mean, there's no frame of reference here. As we always talk about in the show, you can't times anything by zero and get a multiple out of it. So uh, the biggest giveaway for us, I don't even know what that means. Yeah, no, you, it's impossible to oversell this. Uh, You know, basically, again, we talked about where, you know, Chris and I are kind of looking around and we're seeing like what other shows are doing, you know, how are, how are they growing? How are they, you know, growth hacking and people give stuff away. They give away this sick, NFL memorabilia, signed jerseys, all of this stuff. And and Spags and I are like, we need to get in on this. So I went on eBay. I went in the lab. I'm like, I'm going to find a piece of memorabilia that will just get all of Twitter, all of podcast land a buzz. And you know what? I opened up 
my wallet, my cold, hard cash that I earned, and I splurged for us, Chris. I splurged for us. Uh, as I was texting you today, I was in a heated bidding war with another individual on eBay, and I don't want to you know, ruin the surprise now, but I will let you all know I secured the bag. I have a signed piece of memorabilia, of NFL memorabilia. I mean, it's amazing that this thing isn't in the Smithsonian already, uh, but it's going to become a Splash Play listener's most prized possession. I know that. It's always about the, the excitement that football can bring to our lives, and that's what we're hoping to bring to you. So watch Sunday night, of course. It'll be up slightly after Sunday night footballs when the YouTube version of the show and the podcast version of the show goes up on the platforms. But of course, we are live, or not live, but we're doing these pre-recorded every Thursday and Saturday and Sunday night right after the games go up. So whenever you want to know when we are, those are the times. And of course, follow at Splash Play Pod. That is the handle uh, that we are on on both Twitter and Instagram. And the first thousand followers on both platforms platforms are getting a follow from us though if you unfollow us i am unfollowing you and really thinking very lowly of you pete and i think that's sort of the not you pete specifically but you the person out there comma pete i'm talking to them uh, i would say that for me the following and unfollowing move like i'm we do our picks they're the ride or die picks i'm the same with social media follows i will ride or die if i hit that follow button once as long as we're following each other i will follow you to the ends of the earth you know, I, I guess I am. A, sorry, I mean, not to get distracted, but I'm a little um, confused. You mentioned that you were doing the following. I thought we had Trey handling all of the social media stuff. Are you actually getting in there and pushing your agenda? Because I thought we said Trey was going to handle this. Well, no, I want to help Trey out. I mean, he's getting his feet wet still. That's the main thing when you're, you know, you're new to the social media, new to the production game like Trey is. Sometimes you need that steady hand. I, I feel like I'm already taking a creepy mentorship role for him where, you know, it's one of those things like you see on a show where it's like, oh, is this person doing something nefarious or are they doing something that's genuinely inclined to help the person? Maybe I've watched many Netflix mysteries lately, but I would say that that's where I am with Trey. I just want to help him along, help him become a better version of himself. And of course, you know, maybe shepherd him along the way to that process. All right. Yeah. Sorry. I just wanted to get to the bottom of that. Uh, so apparently it is primarily Trey, but occasionally Chris will hop on that Twitter account and kind of shepherd him in the right direction. I just, this show's all about transparency. No, that's what it is. And you know, Pete has a login too. So maybe someday Pete will be on there to give, if all of a sudden the, you'll see the the DFS anti-tout. I feel like that's been your, <laughs> that's really been heavy Pete content this week on his Twitter at, at Peter Overzet. But um, then you'll know, then you'll know we switched it up. But for now, uh, Trey and I are on there doing the best we can. So follow at Splash Play Pod and follow it on Twitter and Instagram. Those are the two spots. All right, we did enough plugs here. The giveaway coming up Sunday, but Thursday night football is going on right now. And it is the Battle of Ohio and a game that Pete, uh, I needed a Splash Play real bad. In fact, maybe still do. On my showdown lineup, uh, the big money one that I have, the one of the large contests because uh, you, if you're not playing 150 in a large contest and a DFS large contest rather it's not worth the time for you you're not going to win that especially on a showdown but you know for what it, for it is what it is you throw one in there it's fine if you're willing to lose the money and that's always what I'm willing to do with showdown slates and uh, John Ross not catching anything today absolutely killing me if he had one nice play uh, one nice splash play especially I think I might actually have the lineup to take down the tournament it's just driving me insane because he was getting targeted a lot he's out in the field he just cannot do a single thing yeah, I'm in the exact same boat uh, with you on my show with uh, Brick75 on Wednesday. We built a team, and it had John Ross in there. It, it also had uh, Nick Chubb and uh, and Burrow, and we and this is the other crazy thing: we had Uzuma and Bernard. So we literally got you know touchdowns. Although the, the Bernard one, I think, came back just now. I realized, but it, it's always uh, the showdowns are so frustrating in that you you do literally have to be perfect. 
to win. Are you, I've been doing mainly like mass multi-entry as far as like 20 max stuff. Um, did you say you're, you put one in into a single entry? So I know I do 20 maxes too. Like uh, for me, I'm just never a 150 guy. Like I don't have like, my fantasy cruncher game or optimizer game because fantasy cruncher doesn't pay us though. They are a fantastic product and I'll thank them if ever I win anything DFS wise with uh, their kind package that I have from them. Uh, and I don't have to pay for that. Pete. That's what the VIP access is all about. Not paying for your optimizations. I know this is a, a labor of love question for you on Twitter this week where you're talking about handcrafting your lineups, but I like to do both. I'd like to handcraft, but I'd like to have the optimizer tell me first. So you know what the majority of people out there are playing right yeah and uh, yeah that's uh you know i definitely use the the optimizer for um showdown and that's kind of what i've settled into I'm, I'm busy on sunday mornings and so i just don't think i know what the pros are doing. i know what brick and awesome and or they're all doing here and lead up and i'm like i don't have time for that you guys are going to crush me so i'll do my single entry hand builds on sundays and then when i have a little more time on thursday monday night uh, then we can get in the opto there and, and build some showdown MME teams. Yeah, I, I enjoy the showdowns, but I think for the most part, like if I have a day where it's positive, that's not surprising. I had a really good uh, opening Thursday night football last week with the Chiefs and Texans game uh, today. I mean, it could be better, definitely going to be closer to break even, but it's still much about managing your ownership and all of that and, and getting creative too with your captains, where for the most part, a lot of people do play a quarterback at captain because they assume that's the best way to go. But it tends to be a better, a more plus EV approach in terms of winning a tournament if you go with a wide receiver at captain. Um, so actually, um, because there's going to be a lot of ownership expected on Odell Beckham I pivoted away from that went with Joe Burrow at captain on the in the one in the large DK tournament and uh, also played both running backs for Cleveland played Kareem Hunt and uh and also Nick Chubb and that's been a strategy that sometimes gets you a little different out there as Kareem Hunt does some things I I like Cincinnati I'm intrigued by them I feel like Joe Burrow looks good granted you know this Cleveland team got absolutely killed by Baltimore last week, so kind of expected a better day for Joe Burrow. They're not a big over-under on them. They were only uh, projected for about 20 points by Vegas. But are you? how are you feeling about Joe Burrow so far where he's he's running, he's staying active, he looks good, but he's not, not a world-beater quite yet, kind of like Kyler Murray was, I guess, last year. Yeah, I think he's exactly you know, what you want to see from a pick like that, where some of his throws in the, in the first half where he rolls out and I believe he hits Tyler Boyd on just this perfect timing, you know, out route to the sideline. And you're like, wow, that looks like a throw only five quarterbacks in the league can make. And then on the other hand, you see, you know, he had a bad strip sack there in his own red zone. Uh, you know, the awareness isn't there to his blind side and, and the pressure coming in. So to me, I chalk that up to rookie mistakes and it's more like, you want to focus on the ceiling plays and it's like, Oh, you're seeing this vision and the throws he can make. And, and you know that all the other kinks will get worked out along the way. So if I'm a Bengals fan, I'm, I'm pretty damn excited about Burrow. And the fact that he's willing to run and does look pretty competent running. I mean, for a fantasy perspective, it's going to give you, as we talked about, and we'll probably talk about every episode because it is one of the core tenets of both DFS and, of course, season-long fantasy football. If a guy can run, he's going to run, as Joe Burrow did eight times last game. Um, he's going to give you enough of a floor, even if he's not a super elite athlete. And I'm um, curious to see how Joe Burrow does, but we got a lot more to talk about. So that's the Thursday night football game. And we'll update you guys if anything interesting happens. There's about 12 minutes left as we're recording right now in the fourth quarter. And uh, the game is 12 points right now favoring Cleveland. So uh, it does look like they have it decently in hand with the balls or marching down the field. Uh, but again, guys, help us out. If you're watching on YouTube, hit that like button. And of course, subscribe. The like button helps us out a bunch. So we can be the preeminent NFL betting, NFL, DFS, fantasy football, 2020 podcast, all those things out there that we Draft aspire Kings, to be. Fan Duel, ESPN, <laughs> Yahoo. Uh, yeah, I think we got them all.
Yeah, we nailed everything, but really the like button is what matters most because Pete and I are doing this for the love of the game. Oh, turnover there by Cleveland. That's not great. Um, or maybe it is. We'll find out if, if John Ross gets a touchdown. But either way, hit that like button. Helps us out a bunch on YouTube. All right, so we're going to play a new game this week, and this is one that we talked about this morning. Uh, I'm going to call it numbers never lie question mark because I think we want to imply some degree of deceit here. Uh, but I'm going to give Peter here three interesting stats from week one. And of course, you know, I do tend to lean heavily on the stats. I do follow them very closely. I spent a good chunk of this week replacing airyards.com stats in my model uh, from Josh Hermsmeyer, the one guest of, of On the Contrary, the show that I did last year who did not follow me on Twitter, which I know Pete and I have talked about. I think we have at least. Wow. Uh, you want me to you want me to call in a favorite? <laughs> Josh and ask no, I did. I did see you doing shows over the over the summer and was like that. That mf'er that is <laughs> this Josh Hermsmeyer and Pete too. You were both really mf'ers in my mind. But it's just funny because like I would talk about air yards in every show to promote airyards.com um, to the point where like you know some of my co-hosts on the Osmo streams would be like. What, like, what is going on? Do you have a stake in air yards? It's like, no, I just really respect what he does. So for him to be the one guy who didn't follow me, it just makes it like, I think it's funnier that he didn't, even though I don't get what I did. I don't know how I offended Josh Hermsmeyer. I don't know. You might, you might be reading into this too much, or maybe he was worried that you were trying to become the air yards guy. And he's like, I got to just nip this in the bud right now. There was, um, you know, that add more fun site. I saw that they yeah. sent an email this week being like, Hey, we got air yards just in case you need yeah. your, your air yards hot off the presses. We got them. I respect that site. They always try to fill the gaps. Yeah, no, they, they their site is nice, too, and I, I don't know what was going on with Josh's site. It was something with the NFL scrape data wasn't coming in, so then some people, I know, like, Rotoviz and Add More Funds had it. Josh was still waiting on it for his model, so I had no idea what was going on. I do know the Air Yards by Low model came out this week. I always enjoy reading that and uh, trying to find some low-owned wide receivers who are due for some more opportunities, so it's good to have the Air Yards back in our life. And I think what I'm going to do, because I got this request, I couldn't quite figure out how to make my Excel spreadsheet a Google sheet without having to do a ton more work, because I'm going to put out the screenshots from uh, my course sheet and, and, and censor out some of the stuff that's proprietary data for some of the sites out there that you have to pay for. And the but, nudes that you kind of yeah. slip into some of those the Excel uh, cells. Yeah, of course, the sexy ASCII drawings of ladies on my sheet. I'll blur out, but I'll post them on at Splash Play Pod uh, at some point this weekend. So follow on there, make sure you're getting it. But I'll I'll screen grab everything and post it, and you can make your own assessments off of the, the quality of the data. But I think it's strong. But here are three data points we're going to talk about, and two of them are true. One of them is a lie. So that's where the name Numbers Never Lie come from. Pete, here's the first stat. We talked on Sunday about how Matt Ryan had a big fantasy day, one that Darren Rovell uh, would possibly have springs hopping out of his head over like a can of snakes. Uh, we talked about that big day, three of Matt Ryan's receivers catching nine balls for over 100 yards each, but his 577 air yards mean that he could have had an even bigger day than the 450 passing yards he had. So this is kind of like an SAT question, Pete. I threw in a lot of numbers here. And to be clear, one of these questions is going to have at least one data point wrong. But your first blush on this one with Matt Ryan, 577 air yards, 450 passing yards. Does that sound about right to you? Well, first of all, are you worried? I mean, you're kind of making the assumption that I'm just like a dunce and that I wouldn't have been in the weeds on all this air yards data and actually be on top of it because I do have a little clue, a little nugget that might actually point me in the right direction on this prompt in that it was actually Matt who runs the uh, the add more funds, They were he had a discrepancy in his air yards data about Calvin Ridley. And I guess there was a Hail Mary at the end of the game that they attributed to Calvin Ridley, even though there were three guys within the realm of the play. So his air yards were heavily boosted. So when I look at this thing, 450 yards, 577 air yards, 
and I know about that Hail Mary, I'm going to go ahead. My first blush is that this 577 air yards is correct. All right, so that's the first. I'm not going to give you your answer until we get to the end. Number two, and the numbers never lie, question mark, Peyton Barber screwed over Ronald Jones at his last stop in Tampa Bay, which I'm sure uh, chafed Pete's other podcast partner, Pat, quite a bit. Uh, But now he screwed over Washington after he had 17 touches. And in those 17 touches, allegedly, if numbers don't lie in this question, Pete, 10 of Peyton Barber's touches were inside the red zone. First blush on that one. Like that can't be true. I mean, I know he got a lot of work, but I will eat my hat if he had 10 red zone touches. I mean, that is so many red zone touches. I am so terrified to be wrong about this. And uh, uh, my friend, uh, who's one of the best season long players, Sean Siegel, he, a team we co-managed, he added Barber on our team. And Barber just doesn't fit the kind of profile of the running back breakouts we're looking for. But now I'm wondering, wait, were there 10 red zone carries? And this is why Sean was like, we have to add him to this team. Oh man, I'm shook. All right. So the last one here that Pete has to decide here, if numbers are lying to him or not. And these questions, Josh Allen had a monster day versus the Jets as he dropped back to pass 53 times, but he could have had even more fantasy points than Matt Ryan with his 600 air yards on 46 pass attempts. That would be a lot of air yards though. Again, if Matt Ryan threw 577, very reasonable that Josh Allen would throw the 600. So Pete, you've now got all of them. We don't need your final blush here on Josh Allen. Which of these three is the one that is incorrect in this game of numbers? Numbers never lie. I like how you said it'd be very reasonable for him to have 600 air yards. If you're saying like, oh, my tricky little prompt is so perfectly reasonable, it could throw Peter off of the scent. But maybe that was a double switcheroo there. That was like a double reverse play where I was trying to get you, knowing that you were sharp enough and less of a dunce than I initially might have made you out to be. The the thing is, I'm now looking at this similar to how I would read SAT questions and be like, what is this proctor? actually doing here because I have a little nugget that you told me that you live in air yards. You're bitter that Josh Hermsmeyer hasn't followed you back on Twitter. Two of these prompts are about air yards. And my guess is that you're in there and and you are a slave to these air yard numbers. You're not going to put a fake air yard number in there, but you're just like, eh, how many red zone touches did Peyton Barber had? Uh, probably 10. Like maybe Pete will buy that <laughs> bullshit. Well, guess what? I'm not. There's no way Peyton Barber had 10 red zone carries. So bad news, Pete. Numbers did, in fact, lie to you. <laughs> Peyton Barber had 10 red zone carries. I'll pull up his full number line here. And most of my data this year coming from PFF, so full credit to them. Really love what they do in terms of giving you a lot of easily accessible data. But Peyton Barber, 10 carries inside the, the red zone, 6 carries inside the 5-yard line, and, uh, and 2 red zone touchdowns. Wow, I am unbelievably shook. Unbelievably shook. I didn't 17 even- rushes on the day. It's not so. It literally is. They're using Antonio Gibson like between the twenties, and then they get the red zone, and it's just exclusively Peyton Barber. Yep, basically. Yeah, and uh, my guy who I liked as a sleeper in that backfield, Bryce Love, wasn't even active because why would you need Bryce Love when you're just going to give Peyton Barber the ball twenty times in the red zone? My goodness, I'm angry. A window into the mind of Ron Rivera. Now he's got a new stop, you know, doesn't have the Christian McCaffrey style running back, even though he did hype up Antonio Gibson as being that guy. Uh, yeah. that just What is it with Peyton Barber? Do you think with these coaches where they are like, does he have some sort of like a uh, charm that he wears around his neck and then he uses it to hypnotize them into something? Is he doing witchcraft? The new Harry Potter game coming out next year on PlayStation five. Perhaps he's got some wizardry in his, his arsenal. What is it with Peyton Barber that these coaches go nuts for? 
honestly, I do like to your point, I feel like it has to be some kind of intangibles, whether that's like locker room guy, personality, work ethic, whatever it is, because the general kind of thesis is, you know, outside of the upper echelon of running backs, like running back is very replaceable as an NFL skill set. There's lots of guys. We see James Robinson, undrafted free agent for the Jags, looking like a great two down runner, like right out of the gate with very little, I guess what you would call pedigree. So Payne Barber, I mean, the coaches just must love him. He just must be the guy that's sprinting you know, uh, in between plays, you know, he's like, I don't know, you know, slapping the coach's butt saying great job out there. I don't know, but he, the coaches love him. And I think I've heard that about other running backs, Jordan Howard, who the dolphins brought in is just a guy that coaches have always loved. Doesn't miss pass blocking assignments, does his job, keeps his head down, doesn't have an ego. My guess is Peyton Barber is just cut from that similar cloth. So here's, and look, to be clear, I, I want this to be a no judgment zone, Pete, when I say this, when I put this into the ether, um, you know how like sometimes coaches like get weird about like talking about male bodies as though they are like objectifying the running back. Like what if Peyton Barber, like Saquon Barkley, enormous quads, a uh, very strong lower posterior chain. What if Peyton Barber just got like a big booty and then they're just treating him like, it's like, oh, like he's going to push that vile because he's got that junk. And it's like, what if that's <laughs> like, like Ron Rivera is just like elbowing his um, assistant coach to be like, Peyton's looking like a damn snack out there, man. I like, guess we should keep him out. Hate to watch him bleed, but you love to see him go. That's what they say. <laughs> Old Peyton Parker. Either way, I don't know, but it's worth noting that he did have, in fact, 10 red zone carries. Also, not a single route, if, if PFF's data is correct, which sometimes gets weird if they don't get a target, but didn't run a single route. Just, just got handed well, the ball almost 20 As long times. as we're going to objectify Peyton Barmer, I will say his stat line was good from afar, but far from good. <laughs> All right, so we're going to do something here. Oh, I already screwed it up. <laughs> Hold on. So, Trey, uh, I mean, Trey, Trey? Screwed, <laughs> Trey didn't inform me correctly, but we're going to go into our week two overview, and I wanted to open our week two overview with a clip that Pete and I both found to be very important, and to Pete's credit, of course, he, of of the most online, most woke, most aware of anything good that goes on the, hat, the second that it hits, uh, a clip with our boy, Splash Play Bob Anderson, Big Play Robbie Anderson of the Carolina Panthers, who... Uh, might have won somebody a million dollars. I actually don't know if he was in the Millionaire Maker lineup that, of course, we provided last week uh, to our beloved listener, Chumley, I think it was. Uh, <laughs> but he is a, a character and a half. But, Pete, why do you think – I mean, I, I know why we did, but tell the people, why was Splash Play Bob Anderson, Splash Play Robbie Anderson, why is he the official mascot of Splash Play? Because people may wonder and not understand the full context of what this podcast is all about. Right. I mean, Splash Play Bob is like the antithesis of Peyton Barber, right? Where he gets all of these opportunities to score and doesn't. Whereas Splash Play Bob gets very few opportunities. But when he does, that guy is splashing his way into the end zone. And we saw that in week one. But the clip you're about to tee up here is him discussing with his fellow wide receivers what the heck the deal is with the Panthers mascot. All right, and I think I've got it right now, so let's take a look at this clip of Robbie Anderson that wired up. How you say that? Sir Per. Sir Per. Oh, Sir Per. Wow. You call him that? Yeah, that's his name. So you be like, what's up, Sir Per? 
the befuddlement of Robbie Anderson at the end where he's like, you, you call him that? <laughs> he's just baffled by it. But that is genuinely one of my favorite clips ever. And I, I think the question that I had, which I think I might have texted you, Pete, but Sir Purr, all right, he's in Carolina, right? He's a Panther. I don't, Panthers, I don't know where they're from in terms of the region. How is he getting knighted would be my big question. To me, this is like, I, I agree with you. It is such a stretch. So now we have a Panther that looks like a bear who is of British descent, like in the Royal family. To me, this looks like the classic thing. If someone's looking at the name and they're like, Purr, uh, let's just work backwards. What rhymes with Purr? Sir. Okay. It's Sir Purr. And it's like, okay, yeah, that does technically rhyme, but it, it really means absolutely nothing. Um, I am with Robbie. My Every time I watch that clip, you know how the, there's like those shows that reward repeat viewings? Like this clip rewards repeat viewings. And I think the things that is killing me now is, you know, Robbie Anderson's, you know, skepticism is fair. But in his mind, he's asking DJ Moore and Curtis Samuel, like, so when you go up to him, you're just like, what's up, Sir Per? As if Curtis Samuel <laughs> and DJ Moore are just having conversations with this mascot all the time. And I'm like, that's what's now so funny to me. Because Robbie's like, well, what if I see him? If I just accidentally call him Purr, will he be upset? No, 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 no. You've got to call him Sir Purr or he gets pissed off. <laughs> that's why I think he shook his head as he's like, how am I going to keep track of this? I don't want to offend royalty of the of the Purr lineage, Sir Purr of, of Haversher. <laughs> he, he, the, the fallback would be terrible for Robbie Anderson. But I just like, like that's the conversation these guys are having too. Like on the sideline, I guess, you know, less people in the stands. You can't do any people watching for these guys on the downtime. But like, I also, the question I have, and this kind of affects my, my fantasy slash DFS slash NFL betting fantasy football 2020 worldviews on, on Robbie Anderson. Like, did you get the sense that DJ Moore and Curtis Samuel liked Robbie Anderson or were they just like, what's this dumbass talking about? <laughs> yeah, I, uh, I have, I have no idea. I have no, Robbie Anderson is like a mercurial figure too like he has a history of of doing some weird stuff he has the famous i think getting pulled over uh incident that's a little nsfw but yeah he's a he's a weird dude and i'm glad he got to the bottom of of how to address his mascot Surper, do not twist his name up. Do not be confused. He is a man of great loyal royal lineage and, and history. And uh, Surper, a man to be ex to be respected and a force to be reckoned with, almost as much as our boy. And of course, the Splash Play mascot, Splash Play Bob Robbie Anderson. All right, let's talk real fast. Uh, week two over here, we're going to do our ride or die picks, and uh, we'll give you the the full breakdown of how week one did really fast. Uh, but week two overview here, Pete, what is the thing you're looking forward to the most out of week two uh, after we just had this, this very limited sample size for week one that a lot of people are going to make judgments on? Yeah, I, I mean, that is what I'm excited about to, uh, you know, massively overreact and or try to galaxy brain my way into thinking something that did happen uh, isn't real. But it is interesting, like you said, that we didn't have any other data points. So this is like a massive data point for us. And I do think from a DFS perspective, there's going to be lots of ways to leverage that. The The question becomes, you know, can you get away from some of the, the best plays? You know, Ezekiel Elliott, Derrick Henry, Jonathan Taylor, those are kind of the running backs that are really popping off, at least on DraftKings. And uh What's also interesting to me from a DFS perspective is last week we saw all those like mid-tier, upper mid-tier wide receivers go off. You had to have Devontae Adams, Calvin Ridley, uh, Adam Thielen to crush. This week, all the value is funneling people to these sub-5,000 wide receivers. There's a lot of cheap 
nice guys down there who are going to get volume. So to me, it's like, do you funnel into the construction that the, the salary cap is pushing you to, or are there ways to get contrarian pay up for some of these wide receivers and go a little off the board at running back? So that's kind of what I'm wrestling with right now. Yeah, and there's also, I think people are talking about Kenyon Drake being very highly owned this week, which I think is one question you really have to ask yourself because I I didn't see, I mean, certainly the work was there, but I would be more concerned about Kyler Murray taking more touches off the table as a runner now. Um, Kenyon Drake, I mean, we'll talk about the Arizona game coming up, but I think that's one big question I have for this week. The other big question for me, uh, I'm curious about this Atlanta-Dallas game. We talked about uh, Dallas and the Rams, the Sunday night game. We made our picks there. Both of us were more in favor of that game coming in. And closer to the over on that one, of course, did come under as both defenses a little more qualified, especially uh, the the Rams seemed to figure out what Mike McCarthy was going to do. But this week, going into Atlanta, uh, I'm now following line movements a little more closely just because I want to, we're talking about NFL betting, we're talking about fantasy football, we're talking about all the stuff on here, but I want to just try to track that stuff a little more closely. And this game with Atlanta and Dallas has come up two points in terms of the over-under so far. Both sides getting a boost on their team totals. It's now a game where Atlanta's favored or implied to have 25 implied points rather, and Dallas is the favorite is implied of 29.3. So this is a projected to be a real high-scoring game, and we're going to talk about it at some depth, but... Uh, Pete, when you see these kind of high-scoring games on the table, especially for DFS, I mean, for for fantasy football for season long, you should certainly be playing any guys you have in these games for the most part because you want to get a piece of this action um, because you have a limited amount of resources there. But for DFS, I tend to try to get away from these games now just because or take one piece you know, from each side but not stack up an entire thing because the chalk follows these games pretty heavily for DFS. And in terms of betting too, the over I think would be terrifying given what we saw this Mike McCarthy offense last week. But how do you feel about a high over-under when you see it here, especially with people maybe taking the limited sample size that people do after one week? Yeah, no, I'm I'm with you too. And, you know, a good example of it, uh, last week, the the team that won the Millie Maker had that Packers-Vikings stack. And when we, you know, you and me were like, oh, this is an under game, you know, and, and that's what most people did. You know, we look at what these teams want to do. We assume they were going to be run heavy, uh, but it did have the makings of a shootout that some people were to get to. So yeah, I struggle with this too, because to me, from a DFS perspective, it's always, do I try to get unique within a popular game? You know, it's like, okay, everyone's going to play Zeke. All right. Maybe I'm doing a double stack uh, with two of the receivers and not using Zeke. And maybe I'm using Hayden Hurst coming back instead of one of the popular receivers, or do you just avoid it altogether? Like you said, and try to target another game. And one of the things that I think is a little tricky about DFS is that the ownership shifts over the course of the week. Like once highly influential shows like Splash Play come out, the market starts to move. And sometimes plays that were really good on Tuesday aren't so great by Sunday. So I'm going to be keeping a very close eye on the ownership levels, specifically for uh, the Cowboys wide receivers. Michael Gallup is a guy I have my eye on who might be the wide receiver that goes underlooked here. Amari's coming off of the bigger game and CeeDee Lamb is absurdly priced. So I'm thinking Gallup might be kind of the unique way, but yeah, I'm leaning right now toward investing in this game, but in a unique way. 
And we'll talk about it, of course, in our ride or die picks. But um, actually interesting to note, I think, and this is something I don't think they'll mind, but Osmo's ownership projections, of course, a site I used to work for, run by a team of the uh, top DFS players. So check out their stuff. Uh, follow them at Osmo underscore com on Twitter. So there's their, their plug because they were kind enough to give us a little bit of a boost for our first week here. But Michael Gallup, they're actually projecting to be pretty high owned. And this is something I think I noticed more with NFL or excuse me, with NBA DFS and NFL. But the field now is sharp enough that I feel like you have to account for these things even more where like people know oh yeah, Michael Gallup got three targets this week, but last year he was pretty much getting the same amount of targets as Amari Cooper. So like, that's the thing that I struggle with even more now is the game theory part of it where like how smart are people out there really? And I think they get smarter each year because of podcasts like ours, but also, you know, all the other great ones out there, which we have no problems naming here. The Roto Grinder shows do a great job. ETR, Establish the Run does a great job. So many different places out there, fantasy points. There are so many places you can go. Matthew Barry, our pal at ESPN, of course, like everybody's sharper now that I do wonder if maybe you're getting Michael Gallup being actually over-owned because people are like, oh, I know to target the bounce back. And that's kind of questions you have to ask yourself, but we'll talk about that a little more in a bit. We want to touch on the injuries that actually matter. And I have two here that popped out to me, but Pete may have some more. But the first one uh, to me, Le'Veon Bell out hitting the IR. We talked about him being potentially the Carmelo Anthony of the NFL, where just an older running back still has a little too much ego, but a guy who maybe a little bit washed up, certainly on a team that can't make the best usage of him and probably not going to be in contention this year, but he's out. So Pete, who benefits, if anybody, for the Jets on a Jets team that looked real, real bad versus Buffalo? Yeah, this one's super gross. I mean, Frank Gore is going to get the most touches of anyone. You know, they've already kind of announced him as the uh, the official starter. So the question is, how much work does he get? And is there anyone else more exciting in the backfield? Uh, LaMichael Pirine, their rookie, has been banged up as well. They brought up a guy named Josh Adams after the practice squad. I know some deep dynasty guys have a little excitement about him, but they're, you know, they are at home, but they're going against the 49ers. So um, none of these guys really profile either as like, you know, a Naheem Hines, Chris Thompson pass catching back anyways that you could get excited about some garbage time PPR points. To me, this is just a total fade spot where, where no one's going to benefit. And even Jamison Crowder is now questionable to play as well. So this entire offense could just be in for a really rough day. Yeah, not the best time, even though the Niners also banged up Richard Sherman going to the IR for them. And uh, you can argue they didn't look quite as good defensively. And as Pete's talked about, and a lot of people out there also talk about quite a bit, uh, defense, not a sticky year to year. So the Niners last week getting carved up on the ground, maybe doesn't bode well. And they actually weren't a, a terrific run defense team, much better versus the pass last year. Uh, so if that levels out a bit, um, maybe the maybe the Niners defense isn't as scary, but definitely scary enough to get some results against the Jets this week. And I'll, I'll just give a real fast little pat on the back for Josh Adams, I guess. I think he did get the touchdown in that last game in week one, and apparently a guy who looks pretty good on a limited sample size basis, so if I were to take my stab, I might consider him. I really don't see the need to go to much Frank Gore or Josh Adams, but I think Josh Adams may be worth a little bit more love than he'll get. Uh, Probably not anybody going to play him, but I don't know. He looks all right. Another injury that I'm confused by, and and really a weird Monday night game, I guess you could have expected it given the two teams, but Tennessee and Denver, A.J. Brown, a total non-factor. Now it looks like he's going to be out for this week. Uh, Tennessee, they were running the ball. They were running the ball. Denver's secondary really didn't look that great in that game. Guys like Corey Davis were getting off pretty well. Uh, Adam Humphreys even had some decent looks there, getting some separation, which he should never be getting. But now no A.J. Brown for Tennessee, and I don't think there's really a receiveral benefit. I guess you could say Corey Davis a little bit, but... To me, I would just think Derrick Henry is going to get the ball 40 times in a game instead of the 30 he got. But Pete, who do you think benefits here if there's no A.J. Brown for Tennessee? 
Yeah, so, and he is, yeah, he's got this bone bruise. Uh, I do think he's on the bad side of questionable right now. We have to see. I mean, the other thing you mentioned, Corey Davis, he had a limited practice with a hamstring as well. So they're all banged up. I mean, the next guy in the depth chart is is Adam Humphreys. So I guess he could see some more work out of the slot. And I agree with you. We, we know what the Titans want to do. They're going to give the big dog the ball as much as he can handle. One interesting thing, uh, Darrington Evans, the rookie they drafted, he was um, inactive week one because he was still nursing an injury, but this coaching staff is really high on him. You know, the, the you know, obviously it's always going to be hyperbole coming out of camp, but they comped him to a, an Alvin Kamara light. So if he is back this week, I think they could use him in the passing game without AJ Brown, but uh, yeah, no massive beneficiaries outside of Corey Davis, who would probably see 10 targets if he's fully healthy and A.J. Brown is out. I would think instead of Humphreys getting a ton more work because he's running out of the slot, I would think with Brown, I think he might get more Khalif Raymond this week, which, you know, is not necessarily, I don't trust it. I did play too much Khalif Raymond in the showdown on Monday, so I might be biased, but guy was a pretty good deep ball threat and does run some outside routes, though. In that Monday night game, they had him out there in a lot of run plays, I think, to keep Denver honest. Like, oh, this guy could beat you deep. We're going to have him run block because he's like 5'8". <laughs> They're just having him out there to run block for Derrick Henry. Uh, but he's a guy who does have some speed and Tannehill has found some success with, but um, actually this could have been a good numbers. Never lie. How many, uh, how many deep targets do you think Ryan Tannehill threw last week, Pete in that Monday night game against Denver? See, this is one I think I'm cheating. I think I saw something where it was zero, like more than 20 yards downfield. Yeah, zero. He did not throw it once more than 20 yards downfield, which was actually a spot he was super effective with last year, but didn't even try it once. So I don't know what that means, but Probably not great signs for the Tennessee offense, besides Derrick Henry, who will continue to get an ungodly amount of, of really just rushes mostly, but did get some pass game work. So never an issue with him. All right, I do let's want keep, to say you might want to check your showdown lineup because Kareem Hunt and Nick Chubb now both have two touchdowns each. Let's see. All right, well, we'll do this live on the air. We can see where I am. I'm in 11,000th place. You know why? Okay. Because John Ross has zero points. Yeah. <laughs> I am. Uh, I have 11, uh, 111, two. Why did I read the number like this? I have 112.97. And uh, the leader has 131.70. And um, yeah, the difference is that Joe Burrow has not thrown a large touchdown to John Ross. Yeah, I'm looking at the top of that contest, or maybe not that specific one. It's the the big one with three hundred thousand to first. Yeah, and okay, yeah. So then there's there's eleven people who are splitting first place right now. And what's kind of interesting, which that's not a bad number of dupes. Like there can be way more dupes, but there's so many familiar names in this eleven. Chipotle attic, everyone knows Uticao, one of the legends, and then Brandon Adams, uh, all in here with three of these top eleven lineups and their big differentiator. They played the two running backs, Odell, Mayfield, Burrow, nothing creative there, but then Mike Thomas at 2% um, getting that touchdown. That's their difference maker for now. Him and Kaderil Hodges were the two that I had at like being as being low owned flyers who were maybe worth that. Um, and uh, yeah, it's, it's paid off for one of them. Unfortunately not. I had a ton of Kadero Hodges. Like I don't, I didn't know who he was until today, but he was out there for a bunch of snaps and keep in mind too, if you can get snap counts somewhere reliable snaps are like gold. If these guys are out there playing snaps at receiver, especially for showdown slates, if they're paying, playing snaps and running routes, just put them in a couple of lineups because uh, these guys can pop off sometimes as we're seeing with that Mike Thomas lineup today. Um, and really if John Ross gets a long touchdown on this drive, I might actually like, 
lose my mind on the show, which is what we're hoping for. But here's the thing that might make you lose your mind this week. The Troll Equity slash Troll Play of the Week before we go game by game for our ride or die picks. Let's hit this. Last week, we talked about J.D. McKissick screwing over Antonio Gibson fans, and it turned out it was, in fact, Peyton Barber's 10 red zone touches that screwed up everybody as he troll played. I guess not everybody, but Gibson ended up lower own, but still, it was a quality troll play if you went with Barber. So, Pete, this week, who would be the troll play for you that'll screw over countless season-long or NFL DFS players? is the highest possible amount well i'm going to project here with a guy that i'm just worried no matter what i do is going to troll me i hyped him up on our last show i love christian kirk he comes out does basically nothing this first game everyone said they're going to spread the ball around and then we see new copkins at his texans level target share and now he's so cheap in dfs i actually need him in a lot of season long leagues because i have guys like aj brown and sutton and galladay who are banged up So now I'm sitting here looking at Christian Kirk and I'm like, it's just that classic thing where I know it doesn't actually matter what I do, but it feels like if I fade him, he's going to pop off. And if I put him in, he's going to bagel again. And uh, Christian Kirk's going to troll me one way or another this week. Yeah, it's, it's sort of hard to expect uh, DeAndre Hopkins to continue to have the workload he had, but uh, we talked about him on the Sunday show. Uh, definitely does seem like he was heavily favored and was very deeply involved. Uh, for me, my troll play of the week, we're gonna I'm going to tie it back to this Dallas game that we just talked about. I think it's Dalton Schultz, and here's <laughs> why. Two red zone targets last week um, after Blake Jarwin actually went down with an injury while we were doing a show uh, that I think I handled with great class, Pete. I don't know if you recall <laughs> <laughs> Pete was like, Blake Jarwin is out. Oh, he hurt his knee. His ACL might be bad. And I was like, oh, there goes a couple showdown line. <laughs> it's not the best. <laughs> yeah, you, uh, you know, I care about, you know, these people and their long-term personal health. And, and you care about if you have an extra 1% ROI in a showdown slate. And that's why we're so different, Specs. That's, but you know what? That's why it works together. Like two things you wouldn't expect to be together, like peanut butter and jelly. What happened the first time somebody did that? I bet they thought that guy was a madman. And uh, they, they felt the same thing about me callously writing off Blake Jarwin's ACL. But Dalton Schultz, I think interesting that uh, he got a ton of snaps that last game too. And um, really, I think, can be that guy who's not going to be owned and just screws over everybody who's going to be heavily on all the other Cowboys receivers. So that's it. Let's get into our ride or die plays for week two. So hit that like button, subscribe on YouTube. And if you're listening on Apple Podcasts, give us five stars and a review. We are still doing the the little cameo videos. If you want to get a social media video from either Pete or me, leave your review and one of us will do that for you. And if you really want Pete, you can get Pete. I think that's one issue we had with a couple of reviews. There was some guy who was like, I don't even know this Spags guy, but Pete seems pretty cool. Go Visca. What, what, uh, when do I have to, how many of those do we have to pay the piper on? I haven't checked. Um, nobody's putting their social media handles in. So unless they do that, none, <laughs> we're just going to okay. take their reviews and be like, Hey, if anybody asks though, we'll do it. Like if, if you could just tell yeah. me you gave a review and I would, I would believe you for the most part, but, um, yeah, let's, let's streamline that process. So if you left the review, send, um, a screenshot of it to one of Spags or I, uh, or just no, send it to the splash play yeah. pod handle are open. and then we'll see it. And, uh, and then Spags and I will make sure we get those cameos out to you guys. All right, so for week one, the rider dies. Pete is the winner for week one as he goes five and eight with his picks. But wow. a win is a win. That's all that matters. I went four and nine. We're adapting the game a little bit to make it, I think, less of a hero ball game than we paid, played last week where we had some very uh, unique angles, though Pete uh, somehow injured James Conner to get Benny Snell to pay off one of his rider die picks, which I don't know what witchcraft or voodoo you're doing over there, but I don't like it. 
the writing was on the wall, man. I know it, that's the thing about some of those things and, you know, zero RB and all of that. Like you don't want a victory lap injuries, but it also has to be, you know, James Conner was one of the highest injury risk players heading into this season. Obviously that wasn't the thesis behind uh, picking him in a one game sample size, but it is kind of one of those necessary evils of, of fantasy is, is trying to uh, think about how to benefit from injuries it just it is what it is yeah so maybe we won't if it goes poorly this week we won't extol our overall records much we'll just go week to week and pete's one and oh that's what that's matters here when uh, you said the record it's like the thing you know how if you're a bear is chasing a group in the woods you don't have to outrun the bear you just have to outrun at least one other person in your group i don't have to have an above 500 record i just have to be better than you that's that's tough but fair. And with some of the bets we made uh, this week, I'm going to be like Christian McCaffrey, great play, top five running back. That's the way it's going to I'm not going to let you. I'm not going to let you. Uh, <laughs> no, we are going to police each other as we go. But uh, again, the ride or die picks start now. Uh, first game up, Carolina getting 19.5 implied points in a game at Tampa Bay, 28 implied points for them. Um I'll go right off this one. I think this Carolina defense is very, very bad. We saw them. We talked about this. They were very bad on the ground last year. The only lost guys to make them worse. They also lost a lot of their secondary. Now I think they're bad in every facet of the game defensively. So I think Tampa Bay goes off here, and I will say, ah, it's tough because Chris Godwin's got the concussion thing, but I'll still say a Tampa Bay stack is the top performing stack on... I guess the early slate is that oh, Dan. See now I already, <laughs> oh, <laughs> I already betrayed. Him. I like how you're like we're gonna really standardize this, make this easy. You're like okay in second half flash drafts, <laughs> Tom Brady's the top five points per dollar. Five, come on. Okay, so to- Tom Brady top five QB is that enough? They here's the thing. I do think we can free ourselves from the burden of like the hottest of hot takes. So right. yeah, I think if you need to be in the like top, like I think it's relative to what is price. So like. Let's say on on DraftKings, like his salary, if we look at that, his salary, I'm, I'm sorting here right 6, now. 6,500. So he's the seventh highest owned. So I would say top five would be, you're saying he's going to be better than his salary. I think that's fair. Okay. So yeah, there you go. Tom Brady, top five QB and uh, 28 implied points. A lot of points for a Tampa Bay team that people buried after week one in the most limited sample size. Like, wow, they had a tough game against New Orleans. Shocker. Yeah. I'm going to stick on the Tampa Bay side for mine here. Uh, Ronald Jones, I think this is a, a really interesting make or break game. I think the prevailing thought is like, okay, they're trying to you know work Leonard Fournette in more. I'm still not buying it. I think they do give Ronald Jones a crack here one more time to run away with this backfield. And as we saw with Josh Jacobs last week, I do think Ronald Jones has the profile to take advantage of it. So he's here down at 5,200 on DraftKings. There's literally like 25 running backs ahead of him. I will say Ronald Jones finishes as a top 12 running back this week. I like that now that Ronald Jones, like eventually you're going to be like, Ronald Jones is going to be a top 30 running back. <laughs> top, top 12 at 5,200. That's a hot take. I'll take you it. I, I like, you know, Raheem Mostert, millionaire maker, winning running back. Like Those are the takes that I like, but yeah, I'll, I'll be no, You cannot throw shade when yours was Tom Brady's the seventh point per dollar quarterback and he's going to finish two spots ahead. I just jumped like 20 slots with my pick, man. 
Uh, look, we'll allow it here as long as you're willing to ride or die. We did too much dying last week. I just want us to ride this week. So I hope we're both right. And maybe it's possible. Who knows? Uh, next came up the night. Oh, so Carolina real fast. I feel like we just have to talk about them because we were so bullish on them. Um, you know, Robbie Anderson, I think very much in play again. But uh, I would say for me, the thing that jumped out in terms of what I expected out of Carolina versus what we got, uh, they didn't play that fast. The play volume wasn't really as high as I thought, especially compared to a lot of teams out there who are playing fast. Um, and also Teddy Bridgewater just didn't throw as much as you would think through 34 times. A lot of that is a deficit. So I guess Pete real fast, any thoughts on Carolina, maybe coming short of what we expected for them or hope for them. It's also week one. So who knows? Yeah. I mean, to me, the thing I'm paying attention to is what is the split, um, like with these receivers, you know, DJ Moore had a relatively quiet game. So it's, to me, it's, does he kind of ascend again to be at the top of that target share? And then speaking of targets, Christian McCaffrey only had four in week one, obviously his fantasy value last year was very dependent on, you know, getting seven to eight targets a game. So really kind of seeing what Teddy Bridgewater can do and, and who he starts to lock in on as we go forward. It didn't take a lot of sacks, didn't take, didn't give up any picks. So I think there's still some hope here for Teddy Bridgewater, but um, I, I certainly won't be investing quite as much this week there, uh, though watch them go off here because they're going to get lapped by Tampa Bay pretty early. Next game up, San Francisco getting 23.8 implied points going against the Jets, who we talked about 17.3 implied points for them. Not a lot to love here again. But, ah, oh man, I think the Jets' run defense, I'm, I don't, we've talked about run defense not being as sticky. Raheem Mostert not projected to be owned again, and I liked him. He went off. Uh, that was my big stand last week. I don't think he's going to win the Millionaire Maker this week, but I do think he's once again a top five running back who people just, for whatever reason, don't want to adapt to the fact that he is clearly a bell cow guy, even with Tevin Coleman playing last week. Uh, so that's my pick, Raheem Mostert, top five running back. Yeah, I like that pick. Um, I'll go with one here. So their rookie, Brandon Ayuk, is he hasn't been on the injury report. He missed week one. And, you know, one big mistake I think I made over and over in DFS last year a lot was being like, I'm not going to play these guys coming off an of injury. Like, I want to see it. I want to make sure they're back. But it's like the team is already telling us they're okay. Like they, they're playing because they're okay to play. And I know there's exceptions where they're like, I'm going to try to fight through this high ankle sprain or whatever. But to me, this is a situation where I view Brandon Ayuk similar to Rager and Chanel as far as the opportunity he's going to step into right away, especially without Debo Samuel and George Kittle banged up. So I will say that um, Brandon Ayuk uh, leads the uh, the 49ers in scoring and let's I need to come up with something good here so his salary is 4300 I feel like you saying he's the top scorer for the Niners is pretty that that's that's spicy right yeah I, I'm with it okay yeah. yeah the 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 top non running back score for for the Niners so among pass catchers top non non running back score yeah I think the thing that would worry me with any of this Niners pass game would be even George Kittle who's also banged up so maybe he won't even be out there but. Um, if they can run the ball down the Jets' throat, I think that's all they need to do against the Jets' team. It's going to be missing a lot of guys and already looking terrible. And Adam Gase should have just been fired in the offseason, but that's the way the NFL goes. Uh, another NFC North battle coming up next with Detroit and Green Bay. Both teams played NFC North rivals last week. They're running it back. Detroit gets 21.3 implied points from Vegas. Uh, the over-under here has come up a point and a half over the week, so that's a good sign. Green Bay getting 27.8 implied points. I think that jumped out to me with their stats, and uh, you know I'll get my ride or die pick in a second. 41 minutes time of possession for Green Bay. 
Bay, and they ran it real slow. They also, this was the thing we didn't expect, and I guess we should talk about this real fast. They passed so much. Aaron Rodgers threw 44 times, and I don't think he had to pass that much, but they clearly did that, and it seems like they're kind of going the opposite way where it seemed in the offseason drafting uh, drafting Jordan Love like they did to to be the quarterback or you know the guy, the understudy. It seemed like they were maybe going away from Aaron Rodgers last year too, Rodgers' pass volume being down. And maybe he won a political battle or something, but this dude throwing 44 times really throws me for a loop. Yeah, that uh, that is a very big riddle because everything the team did in the offseason told us they wanted to kind of de-emphasize Rodgers. They're like, we're going to bring in his replacement. We're going to spend a, you know, a second-round pick on another running back. So that is um, an interesting thing. But Rodgers looked really good, mm-hmm. and, and he didn't look great at times last year. So the other thing that I think is a little underrated is you know, MBS and Lazard weren't the sexiest compliments out, outside of Devontae Adams, but those guys are big, fast dudes. And if they, those guys are playing well, that's an issue for defenses because Devontae Adams is an automatic double team. And if you're going to give Lazard and MBS single coverage, like they can beat you. Yeah, and MVS uh, was a really big winner of last week where he was a guy who basically they didn't want to play for stretches last year because of how he was letting them down. But he had a bunch of deep targets in this game, got three deep targets. Aaron Rodgers threw 10 in the game, 10 passes of 20-plus yards. Uh, So I think... I think based upon what we saw last week, these two teams too, I think can give up a lot of points defensively, even though, um, you know, Detroit and Chicago's game, not quite as high scoring as Minnesota and uh, agreed Bay was last week. I'm going to take the over here and uh, I worry a little bit. It might be taking the small sample size to mean too much, but that's just such a big shift from where they were last year, where I don't think you're going to see one week now where they run it 50 times. Like I just, I don't know how you could walk that back with Aaron Rodgers being your quarterback. Um, and also going to get Stafford. Like, I think Rodgers is going to sling it again, so I'll take the over. Sounds good. Um, I am going to I'm going to take a, a ride or die on the Lions side. I thought the rookie, the thing everyone's going to remember is DeAndre Swift's brutal drop in the end zone. Uh, but his usage was actually pretty uh, promising. He had five targets in the passing game, three receptions, 15 yards. And then he didn't do as much on the ground, only three attempts for eight yards. We kind of know they're going to use AP there. But to me, Swift is kind of setting up to be this year's Miles Sanders, where he just has a really, really nice receiving floor. Um, and I think this is a game at the Packers where they could be behind and, and he's getting a lot of check down work. I think people might be afraid of him being like, oh, Patricia and them are going to bench him because he dropped that. I, I think they're going to have a short memory on that. So let's see here for DeAndre Swift. Uh, I, am I allowed to say he will three X his, his salary or are we going to get into, uh, into debates about that again? Uh, I'll take it. I mean, I think him, him being a PPR style play is, uh, going to help him out a bit, but I'll allow, you know, it's, we're generous. We need to pat our records a little. So I think that's, all, that's yeah, all I mean, good. that would be a good showing. So he's 4.9. So I'll say 15, uh, draft Kings points for him, which would be, which would be a solid, uh, payoff at, at that salary not going to win you any tournaments. I feel like it has to be minimum 4X. I feel like that's... But the LaVisca Chenault rule is what it should be. It should be a minimum 4X for these guys. That 4X is hard from, from 5K. <laughs> I mean, come on. Yeah, as you saw firsthand, you could have it I'll okay meet you day. in between 3.5X. All right, fine. Yeah, you know, let's split the difference. So three and a half X minimum is now at the the splash play bar. You cannot pick a DFS play unless they hit three and a half X. Uh, but yeah, I'm with you on it. Swift getting all the routes there. Peterson wasn't involved in the past game. I uh, carry on Johnson too. Actually, I didn't even look too deeply at carry on, but um, 
he was out there. He didn't do it. He didn't run any routes, I don't think. And then he got a couple touches. He he really fell out of favor fast. I don't get how that happened even. Yeah, well, he was he was banged up. He was coming off of um, the injury stuff a little bit, and then they bring in Adrian Peterson. But yeah, seven attempts, 14 yards. I mean, this is going to be a gross committee on the ground, similar to what was going on in Philly last year. But then, you know, we just need to bank on DeAndre Swift being a really good pass catcher and, and kind of locking up that role. They had also drafted, I forget his name now, they had drafted another pass catching running back in the fifth round, and they ended up releasing him. So that kind of really points to DeAndre Swift being their third down back, which with his talent is pretty exciting. All right, we'll speed it up here because uh, I want to make sure Pete can get to bed at a reasonable hour and put on his his starchy hat. I imagine you having one of those Ebenezer Scrooge style hats that you wear to bed, along with a a full pajama suit. <laughs> yeah, you know, uh, I, you know, I'm just in regular shorts and a t shirt here, so hate to hate to disappoint. Oh, well, that's before you change. You don't want to look like Ebenezer oh, Scrooge. Oh yeah, on no, it. yeah, I definitely change into my full body uh, pajama set. I'm actually wearing um, a fantasy football champion shirt from 2015, so people know that I'm really good at fantasy football. That's how you could tell if you have a champion I, shirt. I actually kind of questioned your fantasy, you know, bona fides. And then we came on and I saw that shirt and I was like, you know what? Spags does know what he's talking about. And with a picture of a, of a Labrador clip art here that looks exactly like my Labrador. You can see it here. Um, it really looks like every Labrador. That's one thing. Labradors all look the exact same. There's no difference wow. between them. That's that's racist against Labradors. <laughs> I, I apologize to the Labradors out there that, who are watching this show. Hopefully they hit the like button first before they heard that. <laughs> uh, next game up here, Minnesota getting 22.8 implied points at Indianapolis, getting 25.8 implied points at home. A disappointment for Indianapolis last week. I really thought T.Y. Hilton was a strong play. Did not come through in the way I would have liked. Uh, Philip Rivers, though, did sling the ball around 46 attempts last week, so he is going to pass it. And uh, also Marlon Mack hurting himself, tearing his Achilles, is going to hopefully solidify that backfield a bit more. There were more snaps going to Naheem Hines last week. Uh, the routes run, I think, also benefited Hines, but I'll look that up while we talk. But either way, I do think this this uh, Colts offense is going to have better days against a Minnesota defense that really got destroyed by by Aaron Rodgers last weekend. Guys like Marquez Valdez-Scantling, as well as everybody else who was in that uh, receiving core, besides Jay Sternberger for Green Bay. So I'll say this is the week T.Y. Hilton goes off and is in the Millionaire Maker winning lineup. I like it. That's a, that's a bold call. I will, you know... Jonathan Taylor is going to be everyone's chalk play de jour this week at 5,700. Absolute smash play. I mean, he looks like Ezekiel Elliott out there. I will say, I think this is spicy. I'll say Naheem Hines outscores him again this week out of the backfield in that, in that pass catching role. Yeah, I don't think they fully trust Taylor yet. You know, I think that's going to happen with rookies with pass protection. We've talked about that a lot on the show where not something that shows up in your fantasy sheets, but is a way that these guys get more snaps, just being able to be trusted there. Um, And I agree with you. I think Hines actually might be the better play. Um, And uh, you'll probably find Taylor projected better in a lot of spots here. But Hines is being able to trust this guy. He got more targets last week. He ran more routes last week. Yards after contact, too. Also favored him over Taylor, 3.4 for Naheem Hines compared to 1.7 for Taylor. So certainly some ways this can happen. Also worth noting on the other side, uh, Adam Thielen now is a deep ball threat. He had three deep balls there and 19 air yards per target in his monster day. So that certainly changes the equation. did, Did you know that Adam Thielen had the burner gene in him? I, I did not. I did not. I had my kind of age bias uh, kick in, and uh, I, I never seemed to have enough Adam Thielen. 
Yeah, no, he's uh, more speed than Scrappy, apparently, in a way that we didn't realize. But also probably due to come back down to earth if he runs as much as he did last week. Uh, just ran 31 routes, which is a little bit low for a guy who had the outlier day that he had. Uh, next game up, Jacksonville, surprise team last week, stunning the Colts in a game that probably killed a lot of survival po- survivor pools out there. Jacksonville gets 18.3 implied points, though. Their total has come up a good amount, actually, uh, since open here. It's up to over two points. Uh, Tennessee's side also come, uh, actually, no, they have not come up at all, uh, but they opened at uh, 27. Now they're at 25.8 implied points. I think Jacksonville is interesting here. Tennessee, I didn't love what I saw, and if they are hurt, <sighs> Jacksonville's probably to come back down to earth, but I'll take a, a Jacksonville cover here. I was going to say a money line win, but I, why be a hero? I'll take a cover from Jacksonville. Okay, I guess let's play this then um, for the spread. Uh, I'll, I'll take the over under side, and I will say that at uh, an over under of uh, forty one and a half. Is that what I'm seeing here? Is that what you're seeing? Uh, I have forty two, been but yeah, that's, that's but yeah. Let's enough. let's let's lock it in at forty two because I'm seeing a couple okay. different numbers in be- above and below that. I think this does have uh, dare I say, sneaky shootout appeal. I will go over on this game. All right, yeah, Jacksonville surprisingly competent last week and. James Robinson, who uh, Pete talked about earlier, a guy to watch here, was a dominant player at Illinois State, which doesn't necessarily mean a lot of success in the NFL, but got a ton of work last week, ended up with 17 touches, got some pass game work as well, so there could be better days for James Robinson to come. Uh, the Giants getting 18.3 implied points against the Bears, who have 23.8 implied points of their own. Uh, the lines have come down a little bit for both sides here, so we'll see how that works with the sharp money coming in. Mitch Trubisky last week looked pretty good. Allen Robinson requested a trade, which uh, never a great thing to request a trade after week one. And actually kind of surprising, given the fact that they did get him involved pretty well. He had one of the highest numbers in terms of deep targets in the league, five targets of 20-plus yards, as well as 16.6 air yards per target. Anthony Miller also getting targets. Targeted downfield pretty well with three deep targets of his own with Mitch. Um, the Giants, you know, not good, but maybe looked a little more competent with Joe Judge last week. So I'm going to take, oh man, I guess I'll take Chicago to cover here. Uh, never a good spot, but uh, they are favored by five and a half points. And I didn't love the Giants, and I still think Chicago is enough defensively to get there. So I'll take the Bears cover. All right. I will take, uh, I'm going to take a player on the Giants that I think. He's going to go underlooked, which is weird to me coming off of this game. But Darius Slayton, you know, Monday night football, 28.2 fantasy points, uh, nine targets, got in the end zone twice. Obviously, end zone uh, or uh, touchdowns are going to be hard to replicate like that. But to me, he's one of those second year breakout wide receivers. He's big. He's fast. And I know people like Shepard. I know they like Tate. I know they like Ingram, but I, I truly think that Slayton is the best pass catcher in this offense. So I will say we get something close to a repeat performance. I'll say Darius Slayton goes over 20 PPR points again. Yeah, Slayton's uh, definitely got that connection with Daniel Jones in a meaningful way. And also, I think just real fast, it's worth pointing out, if you're in a season-long league, your tight end sucks. Jimmy Graham actually might be worth a flyer there. Four red zone targets for him, was very involved, did get a touchdown last week. Uh, I think he might be a guy who you know people think is washed up, but if he's going to get that many snaps, got over 50 snaps last week, uh, ran a bunch of routes, actually ran the second most routes on the teams, Allen Robinson, uh, definitely can be some opportunity for Jimmy Graham. Next game up here, the one we talked about earlier, so we can breeze through this fast. Atlanta getting 24.8 implied points. Their total's up over a point. Dallas getting 29.3 implied points. Their total's also up a point since open. Uh, the over-under's been moving up here. 
Uh, man, I think I'm just going to run back my Dalton Schultz take. I think Dalton Schultz ends up uh, 3.5xing his value at a very reasonable 3,700 on DraftKings. Yeah, I will um, I will double down on my take as well and say Michael Gallup is the highest scoring non-QB in this game. Okay. Ooh, interesting. So oh, yeah, even, Michael yeah. Gallup, uh, just not involved enough last week. Uh, only had three targets to Amari Cooper's 13. So we'll see what happens there. Uh, let me just put this on the sheet. All right, next game up, uh, we got Buffalo heading into Miami. Buffalo getting 23.3 implied points. Miami getting 17.8 implied points. This one, both sides, the totals have come down. Uh, Buffalo, though, the play volume here is the thing that jumps out. They ran 81 plays last week, which is a lot of plays. And also, Josh Allen was allowed to throw, even though they really didn't need to throw against the Jets. So that throws me for a loop. Uh, because of that, I think the the Miami defense looked better against Cam Newton because it's Cam Newton. He does not have the throwing arm, I think, even though he looked good on the ground last week. I think Josh Allen once again uh, goes nuts here. And I will take, I'll take Buffalo... Man, do I want to? I don't want to know if I want to do another bet. I feel like I just want to take the Buffalo over, but I'll take the over for the game because I think Buffalo is going to score a lot again. Yeah, um, tell I, I'll let you judge if you think this is uh, a fair enough, uh, you know, take or, or hot take. So Miles Gaskin was kind of the surprise leader in this backfield, then followed by Jordan Howard, and, and Matt Breida was basically nowhere to be found. Uh, I think they're in kind of just full-on evaluation mode. They're going to try out a lot of things. My take is that Matt Breida comes out and dominates the carries this game and leads the Dolphins running backs in fantasy points. Is that hot enough after his bagel? I, no, I think I think that's a fair take. I don't know that it's one. Um, yeah, it's not one that I would back. It, it, what, and I'm just looking at the numbers. No, no, I don't want you to have to back it. I'm just saying, <laughs> is that allowed to be my pick that he is the leading uh, Dolphins running back scorer after being third? The first yeah, week? yeah, that's fine. Um, yeah, the snap count was pretty low for him. Was just what, just what I was going to say for the sake of it. But yeah, uh, Matt Breida, highest scoring Dolphins running back. Patrick Laird must be apoplectic when he sees this. You know what? Uh, honestly, though, with... I think Laird's going to continue to get more work in the passing game. They don't use Howard that way. They didn't use Brita. And so uh, it, and they did use Gaskin and, and Laird and in, uh, in the backfield a couple times, Laird actually had a nice uh, check and run down there. So hopeful that Laird gets a little bit more work as they uh, kind of run through their backfield. All right, next game up here, we got the Rams getting 22.8 implied points against Philadelphia. Who's also getting 22.8 implied points. This game is a pick em. And um, the Rams, I don't know what we learned from that game last week. I feel like they did oppress the Cowboys a bit more meaningfully than you might expect. Um, But Ezekiel Elliott certainly got off in a major way, despite Aaron Donald and the big game that he had. On the Rams side, Malcolm Brown getting 20 over 20 touches is baffling to me. But if that's going to be the case here going against, uh, no, you know, I can't pick him. I, I can't going against Philadelphia's defense. I'm like, I didn't, we don't make the picks in advance. I make them on the fly. I don't know if he does any prep. I'll take the bounce back for Zach Ertz. I'll say that he outperforms Dallas Goddard, even though Goddard uh, really smashed him last week, uh, tripled his catches in the game. But I think Ertz gets back on track and outperforms Goddard. All right. I guess that's, uh, I'll allow it. I'll allow it. That's, you, you got know, Matt the, Breida scoring with the whatever six fantasy points he's going to score for Miami. 
<laughs> no, I mean, Zach Ertz was drafted as like a, you know, a top three round tight end. So good. I get year. to reassure people then who All feel right. concerned about him with my ride or die pick. That's fantastic. I'm so glad we could provide the service for people. This is we. This is the point in the show where we feel like our hot <laughs> takes have actually gotten too hot and we're staring at like another like two and 10 record. So you and me are like really pulling it back to cook the books a little bit. Yeah, you're, um, you're not wrong. Speaking of cooking the books here i will i'll take the rams plus one and a half i i'm really worried about that eagles offensive line i mean they got mauled by the washington football team last week they couldn't get anything going on the ground uh i even though the rams are on the road i'm i'm worried about the eagles right now until they fix that so i'll take the the rams plus one and a half right rams plus one and a half yeah rams maybe kind of shaping up to be a surprise team with um, the fact that they've just decided Jared Goff is now no longer allowed to throw the ball deep downfield <laughs> at all. He threw it one time over 20 plus yards His intermediate or his, excuse me, his attempted air yards, rather uh, five attempted air yards per attempt. So he was thrown it short, checking down over and over again. Uh, they are going to get some money, some usage out of all the money they are paying him, even if he cannot throw it like a quarterback should. Next game up here, Denver. The Broncos very banged up, and Vegas is hammering the under on them. They have 16.5 implied points, which is now down over two points since they opened. Pittsburgh gets 24 implied points. They are a heavy favorite here. And I'll say Denver covers. I, I like Pittsburgh. I do think that having Ben out there is certainly a stabilizing effect, but he wasn't quite slinging it as well as I would have liked to have seen against the Giants team, where I really feel like didn't have a lot to offer in that secondary. So I'll say Denver covers here with a seven and a half point spread. And I mean, maybe Noah Fance is the guy who gets it going if Cortland Sutton can't make it back in. Yeah, that was gonna that was gonna be mine. Uh, Noah Fan, I think, looks really good. He just has that that profile um you know all of these what was it the uh the iowa uh tight ends we had hawkinson kittle and noah fant um the pedigree of those tight ends coming out and and noah fant with the sutton injury i mean jerry judy put some exciting tape on display i thought with some of his footwork but he's still not quite ready to be kind of the lead dog and i think they're going to lean on fant so i will go out on a limb and i will say fant uh similar to kind of my gallup call fant is the highest scoring uh non-quarterback in this in this game all right Noah Fant highest scoring non QB and yeah I would agree with you I think Fant too uh ran more routes than Jerry Judy Judy had some tough drops which you could tell he was frustrated with um you know gonna have better days for Jerry Judy but Noah Fant is clearly ready right now to keep going uh, next game up here, Washington getting 19.8 implied points. Their line hasn't moved at all. Going to get to Arizona, uh, darling of a lot of people, getting 26.8 implied points here. Washington's defense uh, did make the, the Eagles look bad in a way that I wasn't prepared for. I know the Eagles are a team that can let you down quite a bit, but... Man, I think Washington's going to keep Arizona a little bit closer to the vest here than they might like. So I'm going to say this one hits the under uh, with these teams getting. I should have a thing that adds us up faster, but I don't. Uh, (laughs) I think 45 is the over under if I'm doing my math. No, 46 and a half is the over under. So that's there we go. That wasn't even close on the first try, but I'll say under 46 and a half. Okay. Yeah, I am going to double down on my troll pick. And um, I will say that Christian Kirk gets loose and goes for over 100 yards receiving in this game and puts up some nice fantasy points. So I'm I'm going to get trolled by Christian Kirk. Wait, what? How many yards did you say he's going to get? 100. Okay. Over 100 yards. And and a touchdown too. I'm not throwing in the touch. I mean, 100 <laughs> yards hitting that bonus on DraftKings. That's spicy enough after his first week. 
That's fair. All right, next game up. We got the Chiefs back on the main slate, getting 27.8 implied points. Uh, their total hasn't moved. The Chargers getting 19.8 implied points. Their totals come down a little. The Chargers, I don't get it. I don't get what happened with them. They look terrible against Cincinnati. That's definitely a concern uh, for me with the Tyrod Taylor experience, but he did throw it. He was throwing it deep. I think there's got to be better outcomes here. Kansas City's defense, you know, they, they're going to have to throw it, even if Kansas City's defense is good, is better than they were last year, as they looked like in that first game against Houston. So I'll take the over here, and I'll think the Chargers pull their weight and get more than the, the 19.8 implied points. I'm taking a lot of overs and unders. I don't know if that's going to bode well. Uh, I'm going to – I'll match you uh, with that. Not the same pick, but, I mean, we just saw what – how poor the Chargers looked against the Bengals last week, and now we see the Browns kind of being able to do whatever they want. Uh, on the ground and through the air against them. I'm worried about this Chargers team. I think they could just be really, really bad. And this line actually moved. When it opened up this week, it it opened at minus six, I believe. And now it's all the way up to eight and a half. So it seems like a lot of the big and smart money is coming in on the Chiefs. I will will say the Chiefs cover this, uh, the eight and a half, uh, even against a division rival on the road. I think the Chiefs are just so much better. Yeah, that, man, that's tough. I The Chargers, I was surprised at how bad they were, and they, that game not opening up at all, even though Tyrod was trying to throw it deep. I just got to hope that they, they'll be better than they were week one, um, especially if you're watching Hard Knocks. Hard Knocks will always screw up some perceptions there. I was like, Anthony Lynn, you seem so much more competent than I thought. <laughs> then he just comes out, and it's even worse than it was last year. Yeah, uh, you said you got in a, a random IDP league just because you liked that one rookie linebacker on the uh, <laughs> on the Rams, right? That's true. The uh, who is the one who got cut, Casey Johnston or whatever. Yes, he's, he's now on nice the Panthers guy. practice squad. So hopefully, we'll see him for that defense that cannot stop anything. I'm sure uh, he. I hope he's uh, been introduced to Sir Per. <laughs> What, what, who's that? Who's that bear over there, man? <laughs> that's, that's how every player, that's how they get to know the team best, is just being baffled by the mascot. Uh, next game up, last game on the main slate, and of course we will talk real fast Sunday night game. We got Baltimore getting 28.5 implied points. Their total has come down since it opened uh, just shy of 30. On the other side, Houston getting 21.5 implied points. Their totals come down almost two points. So Vegas, or at least the better so far. We'll see how the, the smart money comes in closer to the game start there. Uh, but Everybody hammering the under, it seems. And uh, I'll take the over at this point. I think we have the over now at at 50. Uh, so I think that's easy for these teams to hit it if they do score a little more. Honestly, Baltimore might just do it on their own given that Houston defense. So, um, yeah, I'll take the over in this game. Yeah, I will take my ride or die with doubling down on Mark Andrews. I truly think he has this perfect um, kind of storm of – kind of his size and his speed and and what his profile allows him to do with this juggernaut offense. I think he could be in store to have like a Randy Moss, like just insane touchdown type year with Lamar. So I will say that he goes over 20 uh, DraftKings points again this week. Maybe he gets two touchdowns again. Maybe he gets some more yardage, but over 20 PPR points for Mark Andrews. Interesting. So you, you just compared Mark Andrews to Randy Moss. The, the season that he had with Brady, where he had, I think it was, was it 18 touchdowns, where it was just every single game he was getting touchdowns. And I really think how efficient this offense is going to be. And, you know, Marquise Brown is, is good on the deep shots, but you watch that game. I mean, Mark Andrews is, is Lamar's number one read in the red zone every single time, time after time. And they do so much with scheming with the RPO and the, in the run game that it's hard for teams to, contain him so yeah I, I i'm doubling down on my on my randy moss take 
Yeah, no, that's that's fair. I like Mark Andrews quite a bit. I just feel like comparing a tight end to the fastest wide receiver, one of the fastest wide receivers, is also like six seven. Just an interesting comp, but I I like he does get targeted deep. I get it. I get where you're going. With no, it. no, but I'm not targeting him to like his play style. Just the amount of touchdowns and the rapport sure, he yeah. had with Brady that year. I just think it's he's just going to be honed in on Andrews all year. Yeah, and Lamar certainly looked good throwing the ball there, which is always the one thing that you might have some concerns with. Last game, the Sunday night football game, which, of course, we will be on after on YouTube and Apple Podcasts. So make sure you're subscribed and hit the notification bell so you'll know when we have that content up for you. Uh, should be up towards the end of that game, if not right after. New England getting 20.3 implied points. No movement on their line. Seattle getting 24.3 implied points. No movement on their line either. Uh, the New England defense, I still think, should be worse than it was. But... Um, I'm going to take, oh man, I just want to pick Cam Newton to bust here because I just, I don't want, I just want to be right about Cam not having a whole lot left in the gas tank, but we don't, I guess we're not picking straight busts. So I'll take, mm, I'll take Tyler Lockett to be the winning captain of that Sunday night showdown slate. All right. That's a, that's a good one. I will. I do think this is a bad spot for the Patriots going across uh, the country here to play Seattle. Also kind of entirely two different sides of the spectrum of how these guys played week one, you know, the Patriots running the ball constantly with cam on the ground, not getting a ton going through the air Seattle on the flip side, the, uh, the hashtag let Russ cook movement in full force to me, this number minus four is pretty small for them versus the Patriots who I just don't think they have the weapons to play catch up or play shootouts with these teams. So I think Seahawks put the pedal on the gas and we kind of see to your point, I think cam is going to have these really good games when they can kind of control and do what they want. But when they're in negative game scripts and, and it's put on cam to come back, I think that's when his kind of limitations are really revealed. So I'll take Seattle minus four here. Yeah, I think Cam, I don't think he's there as a thrower, but I I agree with you. I think Seattle, uh, it'll be interesting to see if they actually do stomp New England on a Sunday night. I don't know if they have it in them to fully lay down a beating because they do tend to be a team who lets teams play in it, but... Uh, yeah, we'll, we'll find out on Sunday Night Football, of course, uh, with, with our old pals Chris Collinsworth and Al Michaels or, or Mike Tirico, whoever's doing that one. All right, uh, what's the parting shots here? We've got all of our ride or die picks in. Of course, we'll we'll post all the videos from these and we'll post our final picks on Sunday. But Pete, anything you want to hit on before we call it quits here on this? Uh, we, we got it okay, an hour of 15. We did okay. It could have gone a little faster. could have gone better. But Yeah, we we, we can tighten up our, our ride or die. You know, we just, we just love talking football, man. Sometimes <laughs> the train leaves the station and we can't... We we can't stop it. Um, yeah, just remember, huge, huge memorabilia giveaway announcement. I will reveal the eBay bidding war. I mean, I was frantically, I woke up this morning and I texted Spags that someone had come over the top of me with a bid. And so when that happens, you don't know. Are we just going to have to, you know, is this going to be a 12-round fight? Just boom, bid, 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 bid. But um, when I came over the top, this guy was was scared. He knew I had the deep splash play pockets. He ran away and allowed me to win this signed piece of NFL history. And we're going to let you guys in on it on Sunday Ooh, night. That was a little bit of a spoiler there, but it is a signed piece of NFL history. So tune in on Sunday. If you are subscribed to the YouTube channel, or if you leave us five stars and a review on Apple podcasts, you are entered to win. So those are the two things you have to do here. We'll have the final details. And of course, what this big mysterious prize is on Sunday. So make sure you're watching after Sunday night football, follow at Peter Overzet on Twitter, follow at Chris Spags on Twitter. And of course, we'll be back with you guys Sunday night. So, Watch us then and 
be kind to the local mascots in your life because they may be a knight. I think that's <laughs> that's the main thing I know from today. We appreciate you guys, and we'll see you guys again soon. So enjoy all the football. Bye, guys. Peace out.